0: Good morning. That song has become extremely special in our life, extremely special in our uh, uh, family. Uh, Every morning when we get into the car to go uh, to to school, I take the kids to school on my way to work, and, and every morning we get in the car, the first thing that rings out in the baby seat behind me is my daughter Kendall yelling, can we hear the song? Can we hear the song? And she wants to hear that song, and, and it's become part of who we are and what we do every morning. It's part of our ritual. It's part of our, our moving forward, and, and we want it to be part of what we do and what we live. And, and the amazing feeling to hear three amazing voices, and I did say three because my 14-year-old does sing in the car. He won't sing anywhere else because he's too cool for that, but he sings in the car, and he's an amazing singer. But to hear those three beautiful voices meld together. To hear them singing out to the Lord and saying, Set a fire in me. Don't just make this a regular day. Don't just make this something that we do. God, give me a direction and push me toward it as hard as you possibly can. To hear those as a father, as a Christian, as a pastor, to hear those things, it's just amazing in your ears. And see, with those, my daughter, my littlest one, she probably has the most attitude to become a singer because she's going to kill her daddy because she has that attitude that she likes being out there, and she likes people seeing her, and she likes being the center of attention. My other two don't, but she knows singing is amazing to her. It's something she does well. It's something that she wants to to share and to do. Now, as her, as a kid, she knows what she wants to do when she grows up. My question to you is, do you remember dreaming what you wanted to be when you grew up? Do you remember, some of us haven't grown up, so we're still dreaming of what we're going to do when we grow up, but, but do you remember those dreams? Do you remember those aspirations? I would bet in a room this size with as many people as we have, we have millions of different things you, you dreamed of when you grew up. Some of us thought about we wanted to be a doctor, a lawyer, a ball player, a teacher, a fireman. So many things that you might've wanted to do that I probably missed a ton of them. But I would say, even though there were millions of things that we wanted to be, there's one common thread that runs through all of those. You wanted to be great at what you wanted to do. Nobody said, eh, I just wanna be average. I just to be that average person. I'm, I'm just happy to be along for the ride. Every one of you, when you were dreaming and you wanted to be what you were supposed to be, you wanted to be great. You wanted to be the best. I want to talk to you today about going from good to great. How do we go from having just a good life, having a good year, to having a great year? How do we go from just being good in the things that we do and who we are for Christ to being great at who we are and what we want to be for Christ? To be great, one of the things we have to do is we have to have direction. We have to have a good sense of direction. How many in here think that they have a good sense of direction? If I pointed out a dire- or, or called out a direction, do you think within two seconds you could point that way? Well, let's put you to the test. In two seconds, I want you to point west. Okay, we've got some people with good direction. We have some people that have absolutely horrible direction. I think some people got their f- the eyes poked out because we were going, wait, which way is it? If you pointed toward the direction of the stage... You have pretty good direction. West is this way. But is just having good direction good enough? Is it good enough for you in your life? Is it good enough for you in your walk with Christ? Is it good enough for who you want to be and who God has calls out for you to be? Well, let's look at that for a second. Let's take direction when it comes to golf. Did you know that if you had a 10-foot putt, it's probably from me to the, to the, or, to the keyboard, did you know if I putt that, if I'm off by half of one degree, I will miss that putt? I was watching a tournament a couple weeks ago, uh, and Roy McElroy was putting a putt. And this came down to the last putt of the last hole. And if he makes this putt, he not only wins that tournament, but he wins the championship for the year. They estimated that that one putt was worth over $13 million to Roy McIlroy. Now, two things go through your mind right there. One is good wasn't good enough for Roy that day. Two, you start to think, well, how are they paying somebody $13 million to play golf, and I want my kid to start playing it real quick. But good was not good enough for Roy that day if he missed. Well, let's say, okay, I'm not a golfer. I don't know anything about golf, and we have a lot of hunters in the room. Let's say you have a shot from 100 yards. Do you know if you're off just one degree, you will miss, I have it written down where I wouldn't forget, if you're off by one degree, you'll miss that target by 5.2 feet. Just one degree. Say, okay, I'm not a hunter. Maybe I'm a racer. Maybe I like to run. Let's say you have a mile run and you're off by one degree. You'll miss the finish line by 92 feet. Let's say, okay, I'm not a runner. Obviously, I'm not. I'm a traveler. Say, I want to go to Shreveport and I miss my direction to go to Shreveport by one degree, I will miss Shreveport by a quarter of a mile. That's just a short distance when it comes to traveling. But I will miss my direction. I will miss my spot by one mile. Let's say I go even farther. I've become great and I am an astronaut. If I miss my direction to the moon by one degree, just one degree, I will miss the moon by 4,179 miles. That is two times the diameter of the moon. That's how much you miss. If you're off, just one degree in something. So we obviously know that being in good direction, having a great direction, is extremely important. It's extremely important in our walk with Christ. It's extremely important in everything we do. Well, today I want to look at having a great direction and a passage that's going to show us how to do that. If you'll, you'll turn to Mark 4, 35 through 41. I want to read this. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took, with, took him with them on the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the, sto- he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. So if we're going to look for a direction and say, Brandon, how do you get direction out of that? Let's look at that first verse. That first verse is Mark 4, 35. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. In that verse, God gives us direction. One of the things we need to understand is God gives us direction in everything we need to do. We need to understand there. In that that passage, it says that he said, let us go across to the other side. He didn't say how to go to the other side. He didn't give a ton of direction on what to do. He just says, I'm giving you direction. We need to go to the other side. We need to move across this, this lake. Now, the thing is, there we decide, they're probably talking about sailing, He didn't even say sailing. He just said, go to the other side. If he's talking to me, I'm not a sailor. I get extremely bad motion sickness. If he is telling me to go to the other side, I'm cutting a path around the lake. I'm going to get to the other side, but I'm cutting around the lake. I'm not going across that lake because I also know how how rough that lake is. I will be throwing up all over Jesus if I'm trying to go across that lake. So if he's talking to me and says, hey, let's go to the other side, my thing is going, okay, how do we get over there? Well, I'm going around because I'm not going across. But most of his disciples were sailors. They were fishermen. They knew how to get across. He did not sit there and say, how are you going to get across? See, there's two problems to us to finding direction, letting God direct us. There's two issues that we have. The first one that we have when we're finding God, letting God direct us, is we see God as a rule checker. We're so worried that God is sitting over our, our shoulder going, Did you do that right? Nope. Oh, red mark did you do that right? No, red mark. That a lot of times we'll get petrified and we won't even move. We're so worried of disappointing him. We're so worried of doing something he doesn't want us to do that we will just sit still and go, well, we'll just sit still. As long as I'm sitting still, I'm not going to mess up. But when God gives us direction, we're supposed to move and we can't let our own issues get in the way of that. See, that's not God. God gives us a direction and says, okay, go. In fact, later on, you saw that he was asleep. He didn't even care how you got there so much. He went to sleep. Our God gives us a direction. For us, it's living a godly life. It's living a, go- a life that we are trying to put God as our leader and lead and be and be connected to him as best we can. That's our crossing the lake. Live a godly life. And if we're living a godly life and trying to figure out what he wants to do with every situation in our life, then we, all those other things will fall into place. I won't step out of line and do something I shouldn't if I'm connected and being directed by God. The problem is a lot of times we fall away from his direction and that's when we pick up other things. See, there's another reason that a lot of times we won't follow God's direction. That's because we don't believe we deserve it. We believe because of our past and the things we've done. We're like, God can't fix God can't use that. Let me give you an example. How many of you... Do the same thing I do. When you're having your quiet time, you're sitting there and you're talking to God. I don't know why I sat down here. This is not how I talk to God, but I'm going to sit here and, and let you understand. I'm sitting in my quiet time and I'm talking to God. And how many of you get to that point that you look at it and go, God, how could you still use me? You know what I've done. You know what I've dealt with. You know what I've been through. Man, you know what's going on maybe nobody else in the world knows, but me and you know, there's no way you can want to use me. There's no way you could still love me after that. There's no way you could want to protect me. I'm so far off the rails. There's no way I can do what you want me to do. So I will deny God's direction because I don't think I deserve it. I'm looking at my past. See, the great thing about that is that's not God. How great! How much freedom will we have to be great if we truly understand that at the beginning of time, God forgave us for everything we've done? How much freedom will we have to be great if we looked at it and says that at the beginning of time, God already knew what we were going to do, and he predestined for Jesus to be the way to be forgiven for all those things? And not only that, 2,000 years ago, he put it in play for that to happen. Before any of those things that you're worried about, before you made that mistake when you were younger, before you were dealing with what you're dealing with now, he put in place Jesus Christ to take the price of your sin and the things that you've strayed away from him 2,000 years before, before you even did anything. That would give us freedom to be great for God and say, God's already forgiven me. Now, what I have to do is I have to follow his direction. I have to do the things in my life that he wants me to do and not be focused on what I did wrong and why I can't be used by him. So after we get through with those two things, after we realize that God has the best direction for us and we get past our own issues of why we don't follow him, we've got to keep the direction. We've got to keep the direction that God has given us. We've got to stay on task. We've got to stay in the way that God wants us to be. And, and here are some of the ways that we have a problem with that. Verses 36 and 37. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them on the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with them with him. 38, 37. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, and so that the boat was already filling. Look at that first verse, 36. I read that and I almost, I just laugh. Leaving the crowd, which is leaving your past, leaving the things that you were doing at that time, you left. They took him in with a boat with them just as he was. To make the Bible, do you think this was a problem? Did they forget Jesus often? Think about that. Did they have to put in the Bible, oh, they took Jesus? Did, did, they, did they go around very often going, oh, what are we forgetting? Oh, yeah, Jesus, let's go get him and let's bring him in. You know, with that crew, there's a really good chance that they forgot Jesus often. And we laugh about that. We, my son and I made the mistake going hunting this year and we got to the stand and we're getting in and realized we forgot the bullets back in the truck. Like It's really hard to kill a deer without the bullets. You can't chase them down. There's no way. But many times, and we laugh about them forgetting Jesus. It's like, oh man, they're not going to forget Jesus. But don't we forget Jesus all the time? How many times do you make decisions without consulting and having Jesus on the boat? How many times have you left the shore of decision-making without Jesus in the boat with you? See, we've got to make sure that Jesus is with us. That's one of the ways we get off direction. We know Jesus has the best direction. We know we need to. We've gotten past doing it. And then we just go and make a decision without him. There's no way to be great if you're not making the decision with God. If you're not following the direction that he has. So the first thing is, is they had to make sure that they had Jesus on the boat. We have to make sure we have Jesus on the boat when we're making a decision. The second thing, it says there, and many boats, and with them were many boats. One of the things that we do to get us off track is we feel like we're alone. Nobody else is going through what we're going through. Nobody else is dealing with what we're dealing with. We're alone. So we just be quiet and we put on that face that everything's perfect. Everything's awesome. Everything's great. And see, by acting like we're alone, we actually ostracize those that things are going wrong with. By acting like everything's perfect, we will put them to the side and say, there's something wrong with you because we're over here and we're perfect. We're fine. Everything's going great. And we'll get off the direction. God lets you go through those things to build you up, to strengthen you, to deal with those things, but also to help the others that are dealing with that. And if we act like nothing's going on, then we're taking out of the direction God. God's direction to you is to help those around you, the ones that are learning to follow Christ, that want to follow Christ. And you might have a great insight to them and say, look, when I was going through this, when I was dealing with this issue, man, this is what was going on with me. This is how God spoke to me. But if I act like I'm the only boat on the water, I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to deal with the things that I'm supposed to. I'm never going to focus on that. I'm never going to lead somebody else to walking in his light that way. So one of the things to stay on direction is to be real, to be honest. You're not, if you're not, you're never going to have, you know, one of the big catchphrases uh, that we have in churches and, and with, and the religious thing is having community. I want to, I want to develop community. There is no way to develop community if you are acting like your house is perfect. Nobody wants to visit that house. Nobody wants to come to that house if your house is perfect, because what they do is they start looking at their life and going, man, if I, I can't live like that. I can't do that. But if I'm honest and true, you know, one of the things to realize is, and I can say this honestly without breaking confidentiality, because I've probably done counseling with 90% of the people in here, There is somebody dealing with what you're dealing with. There is somebody hurting the way you're hurting. There is somebody that has struggled with things this year within two pews of you. The same thing that you've dealt with. The same thing that you've gone through. The same thing that you're struggling with and you feel like I'm the only one in here. That pastor is preaching to me or nobody else deals with what I'm dealing with. I must be doing something wrong to have this going on with me. There's somebody within two pews of you that's dealt with the same exact thing. We all deal with the same thing a lot of times. The other thing that we do when we look at that with those boats is we cheapen what Jesus has done for us. If I act like everything's fine, oh, everything's great in my life, I'm, I'm doing good, I'm a perfect Christian, everything's going go. Then, then what did you, we cheapen what Jesus did for us. We cheapen the fact that he died, the, 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 the song that we sang, he was the lamb that was slain for us. If we don't have anything going on in our life and everything's perfect, then we would cheapen how amazing that was that Jesus died for us. So one of the ways that we can get off is to act like we're the only one. And in that next, in verse seven, or 37, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking on into the boat, so that w- the boat was already filling. A lot of people read this passage, and they talk about the storms of life. And we look at the storms of life and we think that when he's talking about the storms of life, it's talking about when somebody you love has cancer or somebody you love is dealing with something hard or somebody, a relationship fails. And those are major things that happen in our life. And we need to be ready because those things can pop up anytime. They can be the first thing that happens and we are just brought down by those things. But when they're talking about the storms of life, they're not talking about major incidents here. I was talking to Chris about this. This lake that they were going across was known every single day for having these happen. Having these storms pop up for things to to, to go through that they knew when they were going across, you're going to hit one. It's just part of it. The storms of life is every day. There's no way we can get through life without God's direction because it's hard every single day. But if we look at that storm as, oh, it's only when bad things are happening. What we'll do is we'll put God into that box that, oh, I'll only get him out of that box when bad things are happening. I'll go ask him for help when bad things are happening. Instead of realizing we need God involved in our life, we need his direction at all times because life is hard. Life is tough to get through because not only are we fighting ourselves, we're fighting the world, we're fighting others that are not living for him. We need to understand that every day is tough. And the biggest thing we have to do is we have to stay involved with him at all times. There in verse 38, once we realize that we want to be great, that God has the direction for us, we have to keep the direction, and then we need to understand that God is always with us. God is always with us and he's always where he needs to be. So verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, I looked through many translations of the Bible, and all of them said this. They said that he was asleep in the stern. Now, I don't want to read anything in the Bible because there's nowhere else that it says, Hey, this is why he was there. But if you know anything about a boat, there's a bow and a stern. The bow is the front. Of the, of the boat. The stern is the back of the boat. The stern is where the rudder is. The stern is where, how hey, you control the boat. See, Jesus was not in the front, sleeping up in the front as the masthead. By the way, the masthead is the big, usually a dragon or a woman or something. And the masthead was just to show who it belonged to, how prestigious it was, how great the boat was. Jesus was asleep in the stern. Jesus is always with us, even though the storms were going on, even though they were in this situation, and He gave them a task, and He wasn't telling them, "No, row on this side," "No, go this way," "No, do that way." Jesus was there throughout this whole time, and not only was He there, He was where exactly where He was supposed to be. Jesus wants us to live a life where He is at the stern, where He is at the rudder, where He is designing where we should go, where He is giving us our direction. He is our compass. He is the thing that we need to be following. And as we're following that, we have that plan of what to do. He wants to start steer us the way we're supposed to go. The way we get off track is when we start taking our own way of doing things. You look at it and, oh, here's the checklist God has. Well, I don't really agree with that. I don't want to do that. That's going to be hard. So I'm going to do something different. And we steer a little bit off track well, I couldn't do that, or I messed up on that, so I'm going to go a little bit off track. Jesus wants to be the one that says, I'm here for you. I want to be part of this. I want to be your direction, and I want you to follow us. When Jesus woke up, he shows us that we need to focus on the cause, not the details. In 39, and he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. By the way, it talks about rebuking the wind, but it never said what he said. Wouldn't you be interested to know what Jesus said to the, to the wind? If he rebuked the, the, the sea, what, he, what did he say to the wind? But he says, peace be still. He didn't start bailing water out of the boat. He didn't start looking at it and go, okay, well, let's try this and see what this is. He went straight to the cause, straight to what the, what the problem was. And then after that, he also went straight to the problem again in verse 39 or in verse 40. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? He went straight and says, the problem here is not the storm that's going around. It's that you have no faith that I'm going to take care of you. You have no faith in this situation. You're looking at the storm and you're looking at what's going on. You're looking at your day-to-day life and you're not looking at it and going, well, Jesus is with us. I'm following Jesus. I know that if I have faith in Jesus that I'm going to get through this storm. I'm going to get to the other side. He's going to take care of me. So when he woke up, he dealt with the call. So when we're dealing with what's going on in our life or the direction we need to have in our life, we need to be focused on not what's going on around us, but are we connected to the, to the compass? Are we putting God at the stern where he is, he is leading our boat? Instead of looking at it and going, well, she didn't do this or he didn't do that or that is not going right in our work or that is not going right in our family or that's not, it's like, do I even have him at the stern? Do I have him leading my boat? Is he the compass that we need to have? We get focused on everybody else and everything else that's going on instead of understanding, do we have direction from him? And the last one is, the last point. We need to constantly be reading our compass. We need to be constantly connecting to him. I was talking to Josh this week, and one of the things Josh gave a great insight, and he said, hey, we don't ever know for sure when the storms are going to come. We know they're going to be every day, but we don't know exactly when it is. So we need to be read up. We need to be connected to that compass that all times, at all times, we will always be following him. So when we go into that storm, we're already on direction, not off and try to re-steer. Some of the ways that we can do that, if you want to have a great year this year, the first thing is you need to have fellowship with him. How do we have fellowship with him? Reading your Bible. How many of you felt like you had good quiet times this year? How many of you felt like you had great quiet times this year? See, some of the things about us being great is we're not connected to the Bible. We're not connected to Jesus. We're not connected to him. We're not fellowshipping with him and not reading our compass enough that we're going to even have great. If we don't have great direction by him, it's hard to have great years. So we need to be reading our Bible, reading it with the understanding of what is it trying to say to me? What is the compass telling me to do? I don't just look at the compass and go, yep, a compass. I look at it and go, which which direction is the compass going? What does it tell me to do? Where am I need to go in my life right now? And if I'm connected to him, all the other things fall in place. Your prayer life. Being connected to God, listening to what he has to say to you. What is he doing? What is he saying? Where is he directing you in that case? So your prayer life. Then the second thing is, is your church life. This is an ordained place by God that we are here to teach, to instruct, to love, to cherish, to care about you. And that's the type of church we want to have. We want to have a church that's a church for sinners, a church for the people that need to come and get back where they need to be. And that's where we want to have you. So your church life, have you invited people to church? Have you been here regularly? How can we expect to be great if we can't even say we haven't had the direction of God on a regular basis? And then the fourth thing, the third thing is evangelize. You want to be connected to God? Tell people about God. You want to lead a godly life? Lead other people's. Because if I'm leading other people, I'm wanting to live and do and be connected to him. And as long as I'm connecting other people, God will always be in your life. He will always be connected to you because if you're doing the work that he wants you to do and winning others to Christ and bringing them to the altar so they can have that relationship with Christ, he's going to be involved in your life at all times. So to have that direction, you not only have to do that, but you have to evangelize. So when we look at our life today, can you say you had a great year? Do you want to have a great year? How many of you say, hey, I was looking at God as a checklist this year? I was looking at God of what did I do right for him or what did he not want, like about me or he didn't like what I did. Or I was checking off, trying to check off every little thing instead of just looking up and going, God has a direction for me and I want to live the best I possibly can. What if we quit checking off lists and just live the, God, the life God wanted us to have? To be the fathers, the mothers, the husbands, the wives, the co-workers, the Christians. Just focus on being that Christian first and the others take care of themselves. So I know it was instructional today, but a lot of times by getting instruction and looking at what we need to do and looking at where we can find off how off course that we are. The greatest thing is, is like Jesus said, you can always come back. You can always be a part of what, what God wants you to do. So if you've come today saying, I've got to have a great year. I want a great year. I want to be what God wants to be. First thing you have to do is realize I need his direction and I want his direction. And the way to do that is to get straight with him. So when we open the, the altar up here in the front, you've got a few options. Number one, you could just come and pray for your year. Rededicate your life to God that you want to have. I want to have the greatest year I possibly can. I'm going to do everything I can to connect to you, to be who I need to be for you, and to walk the way you want me to walk. Maybe you say, hey, I don't even have a connection to God, so I need to get that straight. We're going to have ministers at the front that would love, love to talk to you about that. And the greatest thing about that is you can step out with faith because there are members in here that would love to see you walk down. You don't have to be ashamed. It would make their day to see somebody walk down and to get right with Christ because they know how important that is. They know how amazing that is. So if everybody could stand. Bow your head. And just pray. Ask God, am I following you? Don't try to decide yourself. Ask God, am I following you? Am I following you the way that you want me to follow you? Am I doing what you want me to do? Am I living my life to have a great life for you? If you can't say yes, then you need to get that straight today. Pray for God to speak to you right now for what you need to do. Pray for God to intervene in your life and give you direction of what it needs to be. Whatever that New Year's resolution be, make it about following the direction of God and figure out what that looks like to you. The altar's always open to come and pray to get where you need to be. Ministers will be up here to talk. If you feel for, like you need to rock forward, come forward.